the ghost and we have bathe on the line you're you're a bassist uh for vyb right and your yes. solo project yeah. is bathe yeah and you're based out of atlanta georgia yes i am so your new debut single the silenced was released on september 4th and, yeah it was yeah yeah and it's got that dream pop sound i'm a big proponent of that well i'm a, I'm a big synth guy so anything that has kind of ambient synth wave new wave new romantic type of aspects i like um, yeah and, awesome <laughs> and so yeah it's very interesting you would record it at standard electric recorders company yeah that's actually um my producer's company uh he's in atlanta and uh he's actually like a super big synth guy so yeah a lot of the the synth stuff is is coming from him so if he's a super big synth guy is he running off for like um software um since or is he actually using like old school hardware since? he's actually got like a whole bunch of old school stuff yeah yeah, yeah that's what i like to hear <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah so it's really cool i like the sound that, that that was um coming from this album because i have modes and profits and you know stuff in my my catalog of stuff i use in my own home studio and i just you know always i'm a big proponent of that stuff because i used to listen to you know i still listen to yes Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, you know, a lot of progressive yeah. keyboard bands, and, and that's what they all used, um, you know, all the old classic gear. But, um, yeah, I think get... on this, on the silence, we used like a Roland uh, JX3P, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's an awesome synth. Yeah. Yeah, any of the old Rolands um, kind of give a lot of character, and I'm, I'm a Roland guy, even though I have a lot of modes. Yeah, yeah nice. Jupiters and 106s and Jupiter, you know, Juno 6s. And, and if you go back to like model 100s. And, yeah, know, man, yeah. you could just talk shop with my producer. <laughs> yeah, SH5s and SH7s. And they, they all have a lot of character. But um, yeah, yeah, that's part of what I like. And what you're doing is um, because electronic music, a lot of people seem to confuse sometimes is they think electronic music is um, is just EDM or just trance, or just DJs, and they seem to forget, going back to the old school, um, that, you know, electronic musicians, you know, used hardware. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think they, they used it to create, you know, progressive electronic music, um, with, which isn't just dance music, it's, it's all types of music. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would like you to talk more about like your, your focus on this album to kind of use these sounds and maybe you talk about your, your, your history of getting up to this point. Yeah, well, uh, building off of what you just said, um, so like the synth that we use, uh, we kind of use it as like a, like a, a pad synth. Yeah. So uh, he has like this, this controller that he puts on the JX3P mm -hmm. and it's just like we just held out these like two notes the entire song and it's just like the one chord or something but he was just like doing something on the controller where it's just like every single moment was it sounded different and that i think that's like super special when it comes to like super like ambient stuff it's like weird to hear the same thing over and over again but if it's like it, it can sound a thousand different ways you know yeah that's the nature of like analog synthesis or the old school hardware sense is they, if they have if they're analog or they're polyphonic or they're running through modular you know filters and uh, envelope generators it just what happens is you can just run through LFOs multiple times and yeah if you yeah. do that you can take a very simple arrangement I mean modes are just monophonic 
But yeah. if you run through modes through multiple LFOs and multiple envelopes and you you, you play with that, it will actually create sequencing, um, you know, analog sequencing. And that is very deep and can have a lot of an effect. Um, and so I think a lot of people are starting to realize what you can do with stuff like that because there's a lot of stuff coming back um, that is in that space with machines mm-hmm. like the machine you use. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting to see people, you know, working with this stuff again, um, because, you know, there was a period, you know, it seems like phases in the music industry where there's a phase where this stuff was kind of like, oh, we don't want to hear these progressive synths because yes, he's done, you know, or Jeff is <laughs> done and we don't, we don't want to hear that anymore. And now it seems to be kind of creeping back in. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, I wasn't like super into like the whole analog synth thing before I met Damon. Damon Moon's my producer. Um, but after just seeing all of his stuff and just working on a ton of songs uh, with like different bands there, it's just mm-hmm. like the analog synths are like super awesome. They can yeah, totally change the entire sound of whatever you're playing. Yeah, I think like you're a bass guitar player, right? And you, but you also play other instruments as well, right? Yeah. Well, so I, I consider myself like just a multi instrumentalist these days. Okay. Um, I like started out as a drummer and that's, that's all like, I wanted to just be a drummer in a band. It's like so bad. Um, so I, I joined like this one band and thinking I was going to be a drummer and I ended up, you know, playing guitar as well and playing bass as well because I just, you know, I play all these instruments. So whenever we started playing live, I was actually just playing guitar because that my guitar parts were more like melodic. So I didn't get to play drums in that band. And then um, when I joined my other band, Vibe, um, I actually was the drummer at first, uh, but we had like a really hard time finding a bassist. So since I played bass, I was like, I guess I'll play bass if we can find a drummer. So Mm -hmm. uh, I played bass in in Vibe, but it's like when it comes to bass, I can actually finally be a drummer (laughs) on my own stuff. And it's super exciting. But yeah, I play a little bit of everything. That's cool because like a lot, a lot of bassists have have come around and like people found John Paul Jones and he plays keyboards, he plays everything. He's yeah. an awesome producer, and so a lot of times I think, you know, if if you look at people, they get known, they get kind of pigeonholed, they get known for being a bassist or known for being a drummer. But you find out a lot of musicians actually have have that kind of capability. They they tend yeah. to be able to do like everything, especially today with home studios everybody's you know learning how to play keyboards everybody's learning how to do drums everybody's doing every piece of it because and everything's so ac- accessible too yeah because you get a midi keyboard and then suddenly you can be a drummer yeah. <laughs> even if you have no <laughs> talent as a drummer if you get a good sequencer you get an 808 or a 707 and you're like oh i, I can do drums now <laughs> everything's so easy to learn these days especially with like digital stuff too but it's still cool to actually be on your like the instrument that you're even if you're a multi-instrument, I think it's like if you go on a real bass rather than doing a MIDI bass. I think yeah. that there's always, there's, I would always argue like a real drum, if somebody goes on a real drum set versus an 808 or somebody goes on a real bass versus playing like a Moog bass, not that Moog bass is not great. Um, but I think there's, there's always that authenticity of being on the actual instrument. Yeah. Um... I think that this brings a lot to the table because I'm kind of an old school guy. You know, no, yeah, I totally agree. Like, when it comes to, I don't know, when I, when I started learning the drums, I would actually learn just like only Paramore songs. And I thought that was like super amazing because 
when I was learning it, it wasn't just like repeat the same thing, like you know, four four mm-hmm. drum beat. It's like every single measure he did something a little different, and yeah. you know you can't really <laughs> copy that. Or I mean, you could, but it just would it, it would be it's very so much difficult. Harder. <laughs> like the kind of drumming, I, I mean, I, I'm a big jazz guy, so if I listen to like Coltrane, or I listen to like Sun Ra, you know, or Davis, or you go back and you listen to like Mitch Mitchell mm-hmm. on the Jimi Hendrix Experience, right? He's pretty much soloing through the whole songs with Jim. You know, uh-huh. he's keeping the beat, but he's a jazz drummer. He's like so he's He's basically doing runs all the time. Yeah, everything's um, different. And and then if you listen to a guy like, like like Keith Moon, I mean Keith Moon never kept time. He was always riffing and rolling through everything. I mean Pete Townsend as the guitar player was keeping the time in the hoop. <laughs> he he actually keeps the time through the chords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so so it, but I've always been impressed with with bands that have kind of like maybe not staying on the time signature. And be a little more inventive because like that I'm a you know I like jazz but so so I anything <laughs> that kind of goes off any they rock bands that go that way I tend to like I'd be very interested um, though I understand like with like if you get into like ambient pop and stuff you maybe you or dream pop you probably gonna have a little more control because you want a certain sound so you yeah might not I mean for the, crazy. for the most part um, I record to a grid just like to a met but there is a certain point where it's like you can quantize it and make it like inhumanly perfect, but it's, yeah. it's kind of cool to some things are flaming every once in a while because that's how you played it. And yeah, yeah it, it makes it sound more human. Yeah. I think sure. a lot of times like the, what you'll find with the analog sense is like quantizing doesn't get done a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because cause that's the kind of whole nature of them. I mean, you can try to do it, but, a lot of the systems like modes, they don't even have a way to quantize it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it just kind of is what it is. always kind of controlling it and it might go off, but it's kind of like, I think the unhappy accidents of music. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that strive to make perfection and I understand it. Um, and if they're trying to hit, make hits, I can understand why they do that. But I think a lot of times in music, some of the classic music that we've all know is because of the happy accidents. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're not running through a computer and trying to keep it all in the same key or trying to keep it in the time, same time signature, that those little micro mistakes or unhappy paths in the music actually give it character. I actually had one of that in the, the single, The Silence. I was uh, just playing a drum beat, and I think it's in the the second chorus. I accidentally played a snare beat on like beat one. Which you're mm-hmm. not really, that's not really part of like drum beat. It's like snare goes on yeah. two and four, but I accidentally put it on beat one. And um, after, like the, afterwards, like my producer is super good about like, uh, I thought that was actually cool. So let's keep it. And like me being a perfectionist, it kind of kills me sometimes, but I really like his decisions when, when it comes to stuff like that because I've learned like, oh, Actually, it was pretty cool if I just, like, let go of my perfectionism. Yeah, that kind of comes to another question I asked a lot of bands. Like, because today you can do so many takes and you can do so much auto-correction, you can go in on a grid, you can change everything. Mm -hmm. I always ask bands, like, do you feel more comfortable with the early takes or demos of your material, or do you have to really labor and refine your material? Is it, like somewhere in the middle or somewhere at the end of that kind of range so when it comes to um 
just like actually creating it I'm actually really forgiving of myself and like the mistakes I make um but when it comes to like finalizing and being like okay this is the take this is like what I'm gonna keep so I better do it correctly um I tend to get like really inside my head but um that's why it's great just like working with another person in the studio because they're like all right that's enough like let's Mm -hmm. like I think with that the the drums I did like I think I played it two or three times total just all the way Mm -hmm. and he's like all right let's listen to it and you know me being myself I'm like ah but there's that one part and there's this other part but like he just you know fixes everything he'll like take the first half of this take that I did here second half of this take I did there but it's like it's all me and it's all within like two or three takes and uh yeah yeah that's that's good that he's there to like you know stop me from yeah I find that that as I get older like when I was younger I used to be 20 30 takes you know (laughs) and then as I get older you know, you get better or whatever, you know, when I was 20, I, I was at a certain level. Now I'm 52, you know, you, you think you get better and <laughs> I think you make decisions and you start to feel like I'm at my own, I got my own studio. So a lot of times what I've found is like, you know, I work with other people. I work with, by myself, I, you know, I do all kinds of things, but I've found that when I go through all my takes, it's my first like three or four takes always mm-hmm. tend to be closer to the truth of what I would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the emotional impact and as I get further away from them then I actually start like taking away from the original emotional impact of the song yeah and I've over time discovered that it's actually safer to use the earlier takes than to use the later ones um this, this seems to always happen that the, the original like emotions behind something seem to be stronger yeah the magic uh, was there and then the yeah, magic and then the, gets pounded yeah. into the ground and it's gone. Yeah, you, that's that's always been a kind of kind of rub. But let me go back a little further because I usually go with the questions. So, when did you first like get into music and realize that music was something that you wanted to do and you actually had something to say? Uh, well, I I'm, I got into music. I was in just band class growing up, but I don't really consider that my the beginning of my music career because I think when I got my first electric guitar at the age of 16 was probably the the first like vivid memory I have um so that was I mean I'm 26 now so that was 10 years ago and um I think uh I don't know like I was really into you know Paramore I've mentioned that um so my musical tastes have really changed since I first got into it I used to be like really into these like punk rock sort of things but as I got older I started putting less and less distortion on my guitar and my music just sort of changed into what it is now which is like sort of clean sounding guitars a lot of effects a lot of reverb and yeah it's it's been a, a very big growth process but yeah, that was the first vivid memory I have of when I started writing music. And uh, as far as having like a something to say with my music, I wasn't actually, I didn't really care about saying anything. I just thought playing music was so fun that I was going to do it anyways. I actually didn't have vocals on any of my stuff like for years because uh, I hated the sound of my voice. I 
I was like horrible at coming up with lyrics. So a lot of my stuff is very like Taiko ish. So mm-hmm. like you listen to Taiko? Yeah, my my daughter actually we I lived in Japan for two years. Uh-huh. My daughter actually had a sensei and took Taiko and we have a, a real Japanese Taiko couple of Taiko drums in our house. Oh wow. From Tokyo, so pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> well yeah, so like that was like sort of what my thing was I was like I guess I'm an instrumentalist because I play all these instruments and I don't sing um so as far as like having something to say I think it was just like having a a unique voice with the mood you were creating with your music not necessarily the words if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. yeah I kind of like Michael Stipe and early REM you don't really know what he's saying yeah Um, but actually people some people say the IRS REM records actually are our favorites compared to when you actually can hear them <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it was yeah. about the music interesting that he created this kind of weird like sounding you know style that that was rem mm-hmm. but nobody ever heard it before and it wasn't like like most people today probably he wouldn't break through <laughs> because yeah. he's like he's not doing things correctly but it was so unique um and it's kind of that thing when you're a singer songwriter well i always get drawn to singer songwriters and i like to interview singer songwriters because when you finally decide that you're gonna be a singer songwriter you kind of bring like a novelist like capable you know uh, uh i don't know just the way a novelist br- brings you into a novel a singer songwriter brings you into their songs that you know yeah. that they're, that's their character. And it's very different than if you're working with somebody who's produced and they didn't write the song and they're just a vocalist. It's different. Um, yeah. it's, it, but, but you get the character of like a Tori Amos or a Liz Fair or yourself. You know, They have a certain style and you're like, wow, do you get drawn to it or you, you're into it? You know what I mean? You get, mm-hmm. you get pulled onto it like, like reading a great American novel. And I love mm-hmm. how singer-songwriters do that. And that's, I've always... You know, I'm interested in finding how you get to that point, like how each person I've ever talked to, they get to that point in a different way. A lot of them say what you said. They didn't like their voice, but then eventually they felt like they they had to use their voice because they, if they're going to write their material, it has to be them. Yeah. Uh, and then they, that's how it, it seems to come about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've tried to like collaborating with other people with my music and like they'll sing on top of it or maybe like they'll write part of the instruments and then I'll write part of the instruments and it's it's always like I don't know it's not quite my 100% vision whenever it's someone else singing on top of it yeah um but after I started singing on top of my stuff like I don't know probably three years ago and it was never actually like stuff I liked but it was just stuff that I did just to see if I could do it and um I like put some stuff on SoundCloud and just kind of like got over myself about that and um I actually experimented with like different vocal styles and I found out that like I suck at like singing like I'm on American Idol I cannot project my voice like like a, like a, a not, traditional vocalist, like a pop singer vocalist. Yeah, I, I can't do it. It's like, it wouldn't be yeah. pretty. Um, but when it comes to like doubling your voice and then maybe singing a little softer and closer to the mic, mm-hmm. um, 
that's actually where I'm like very okay with the sound of my voice. And I think it actually complements the instruments. So I, I'm actually super happy that I, you know, yeah. well, got over myself it, yeah, and did it's it. It's all about finding the right mics and, uh, you know, finding your vocal style. Like mm-hmm. if I could tell a story about like damn electric ghost, like I was just like the same. I, I just played keyboards for years and never sang. I just mm-hmm. played keyboards like no ghost, you know. I was just doing like what I called uh sound paintings. And I'd write these really big sound paintings that kind of, you know, rep- it came from like, you know, progressive rock, Emerson Lincoln Palmer, yes, you know, bands like that. I like that. Sound paintings. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, when Hendrix came up with the term, um, when people ask him about Electric Ladyland, Ladyland mm-hmm. and it sounds like a sound painting, it's like people are trying to understand. What... It has all these like layers, and like you can hear birds, you can hear water, you can hear all these weird sonic cosmic things. And he said it's a sound painting. And I always took that, and even though he's a guitar player, I think keyboardists like looked at Hendrix and say, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff here. Herbie Hancock and Tick Korea. There's a lot of people who looked at Hendrix and like, wow, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with what he did. And I, I you know, we always try to get influences from everywhere. Um, but, but sound painting is just going back to the, the idea. Is like I never did vocals until I created a character. The lead singer of my band is a female version of myself named Josephine that I use. <laughs> I use role. That's awesome. I used Roland uh, vocal transformers. It took me like three years. I used three different types of vocal transformers, you know, one in a JDXI, one in a VT3 and a VT4. They're all different, these different like a synthesizer device. And then I, I created Josephine's voice by being a soprano version of my voice. Turns, yeah, in, turns, into, awesome. turns into Josephine. And then she became, I created a whole mystique, a kind of method act. And she has a character that is a, you know, a female version of myself. And, I never felt comfortable with my male voice. And so every family for ghost song basically has Josephine singing and it's not, you know, not exactly me. That's crazy. That's <laughs> but, awesome. But I, I went from like 1500 listens to like 90,000 listens on SoundCloud, got this program. I got a record contract. Like all of these things happened after I decided to do Josephine. Do you think it was because you were more confident? Well, it was like, cause I treat it like I'm an actor. You know, I, I Josephine, I kind of method act. I kind of created mm-hmm. a whole character. She's like a dominatrix. She's very out there. She's very aggressive. She's very assertive. She knows what she wants. And I just created all these stories and all these things of, of mythology about her. You yeah, know? that's awesome. It's and, like you believed in it. So other people believed in it, too. Yeah, it's just people found that her character was interesting, you know. It, yeah. And, and it was more interesting than just me trying to sing a song as a guy. <laughs> you know, and and, and it did, yeah. I could take on topics that normal like a male writer wouldn't write about, mm-hmm. and so it gave me a totally different way of doing things. That's so creative! Wow. But you you just never find you never know. I mean, if somebody asked me when I was twenty seven, would I ever have done that? I did that when I was like in my forties. Um, so <laughs> so he's like, you never know what how you're gonna hit or what you're gonna do as an artist. So mm-hmm. so, but but I think like finding your voice is always interesting. You know that 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 you found your voice, you didn't like it, but then you found ways to get get it to be what you envision in your songs. Yeah, and part of it is just listening to different artists that weren't projecting their voices too. Like uh, I know Lana Del Rey is, has like a very whispery voice. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Lord, um, Billie mm-hmm. Eilish, you know, Beach House, they tend to all have just like these 
amazing softer voices sometimes like Liz, Liz Fair too I mean she doesn't mm-hmm. have a technically you know somebody like she's not Mariah Carey not Whitney Houston but Liz Fair's voice is, defines her music yeah but it's technically not the best technical voice you could say but from an authentic point of view and as a singer songwriter she's kind of doing like a dill yeah or Lou Reed you know she's like a female Lou Reed or Dylan level artist writing really critically acclaimed stuff and you don't have to, it proves that you don't have to have the perfect pitch yeah you know, to, to be a great vocalist if you I think a lot of it is honesty like you come to, to it and you're honest and you're really telling a story it doesn't really matter how technically great your voice is if you believe in your what you're doing yeah I think you can carry it off and I think that's what you were saying like once you believe and you figure it out and then you believe in it then you get other people to believe it yeah, exactly. And I I think also part of it is just like we're so culturally trained to just see like singers winning competitions that have all these like big projected voices. There's never any singers on there that sound like Billie Eilish. No, yeah. it's all five octave capable, Mariah Carey level, Whitney Houston level. And that's fine. But then, yeah. then a lot of times like Carol King isn't at that high level, you mm-hmm. know. That, that like Tori Amos, which she's really good, but she technically she's a piano player more than a singer. I mean, she has a unique style like a Kate Bush, but still, it's like you know, even like go back to Kate Bush. That's technically, you know, she's kind of got this strange thing going on. It, it's it's kind of odd, and that's what's cool, you know. Yeah. But, but a lot of times, what's popular drives out the like Lou Reed, Velvet Underground, like kind of indie that type stuff. I, yeah. I've always been somebody that liked like the Velvets. In, mm-hmm. you know, or like like Big Star, Alex Chilton and Big Star. I always liked the bands that nobody liked, and then now they're critically acclaimed. <laughs> um, but 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 it's like those that makes were... you a hipster. Yeah, but I wasn't trying to be. I was just trying to find something that was different. You know, yeah, I, know. I, I tend to stay away from the top twenty. I tend to go to the bottom hundred. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or two hundred, you know, or five hundred, because that's where the cool stuff is. You know, as a college radio guy, I, yeah, I would always be listening to like. You know, I would listen to the replacements or who's mm-hmm. could do, you know, or like, you know, like a uh, joy division. You know, I was going to say, well, I like joy division better than the cure. Cause you know, cause that's really like pure new wave, you know, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, just cause it's like, you know, the honesty and some of these bands, you know, it, it, that necessarily not trying to be number one, but just trying saying something. Yeah. That, and that and for different. me, it's like, they, they know what they are. And having that, like, such direct vision in what they're trying to do in, like, uncompromising in the process is, it's super inspiring. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think a lot of artists, um, I knew some musicians that they gave up when they didn't get, well, if I can't be, like, if I can't hit, like, Guns N' Roses or if I can't hit, like, rap, then I'm I'm done. Yeah. And I'm like... If you love music, you just keep on doing it. So I know a bunch of guys when I was like 17, you know, like 90% of them all stopped. And mm-hmm. there's only like, like, you know, two or three of us that kept on going. Mm-hmm. And we're all doing our own thing and we've got our own styles. But like so many people would like, oh, if I can't hit, then I'm done. And I think you got to you gotta do it because you love it. Exactly. Yeah. And then it will kind of come to you. You fall into it. That things happen because you believe in what you're doing, you know. Yeah, and, and if it if we never make it, then it's like, well, at least I loved what I was doing. 
Yeah, well, there's always that, you know, William Blake, nobody ever liked any of his poetry until he was gone. You know? <laughs> it, 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 there's, a, there's a tendency in art where sometimes if you, you're not successful in your time, people find your stuff. You know, yeah. If you put Which is like effort, awesome, you know, but so sad. It's sad, but it tends to be what happened. I mean, like the Velvets. The Velvets, like nobody found them until they were done, you know. Um, yeah. Then Louis Gall just pressed after, and he was in his 40s and 50s, and he's suddenly getting all this praise. But when he was doing it, you know, nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. but, but but that's, you know, it, that, sometimes that's what happens. I mean, sometimes you don't hit like the Beatles. You don't, you don't hit that hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can do doing this podcast, and I I'm, I'm hitting more fans on my podcast than my music. But you know, it gets me out there, and I get to, to do what I like to do, and I still get to support what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you just you do what you you, you love because you love it, and you get out into the into the arena, and you do what you can. So you got this album called Last Looks. It's coming out in 2020, and this this song, yeah. Is, is the first single from this album? This project? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so the song I put out was called "The Silence," and uh, I'm gonna put out a bunch of more singles in like promotion of the new album, which is called "Last Looks," and it's coming out in 2020. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping like everyone just likes all the songs that I put out along the way, and then um, I'm gonna put out the album, and it's gonna have all of those songs included, and then even more. So it'll be like a whole collection of what I've done. Now, are you um, just going to have it in, like, in the cyberspace of, um, of download and streaming? Or are you going to do physical vinyl and CDs and tapes and different things? Ideally, I would love to do physical. I am a very much a CD person. And I feel like that's not very popular. Everyone's like, CDs are dying. Yeah. My car is full of CDs. Um, I have a vinyl record player but it's like so cheap and it plays everything like kind of in slow-mo and it's broken (laughs) um but (laughs) cds is where it's at for me so like i think it's kind of been yeah well kind of bucket list to get a cd of just my music and hand it to my mom or something it would be cool because you know the one thing people forget is like and you know as an analog synth player we're like, you know, I got to get this on, on, on CD or, or vinyl because, like, modes get kind of wrecked when they get compressed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing a Prophet 5 or a Juno 106 and, and you put it, like, in the cyber world, you lose half the signal. Um, it just doesn't sound as impressive. I mean, you can try to make it sound as good as you can, uh, but mm-hmm. you lose a lot. Um so I've been, I mean, I'm an old school guy. I, I grew up listening to like Purple Rain. I bought when it came out on vinyl. I mm-hmm. rode my bicycle to the mall and I bought it on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, my dad had eight tracks. My dad had 78s so of like uh, James Brown. So we he had a really nice hi-fi and I was listening to Stevie Wonder inter, Intervisions on vinyl. And, uh, you know, eight tracks uh, of, 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 the, of the Temptations and the Four Tops. So, I just used to hear things that are really, you know, you could hear everything. It, the things didn't get yeah. you know, knocked out of the mix. And that's the one thing I noticed when some of the, the new forms came out, there's lots of things I would go back and listen to the original mixes that my dad had. And they're like, this stuff that you can't hear anymore. That's crazy. 
And, um, you know, it's a, it's a choice, you know, when to be able to have the portability, you lose some of the fidelity. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you're, you're like a real into sonic high fidelity, you're like, oh, I want to try to keep as much of it as I can. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was born in the 90s. So CDs were where it was at when I was growing up. Vinyl wasn't really yeah, it was something dying. we had in our house. Yeah, it was So dying. like, I think it's awesome. You have all these like cool memories uh, I never experienced like anything like that. For me, it was just like shitty radio and CDs. But yeah, yeah I'm really interested to see like what what you can do if I if I put my music on there because I I have analog synths on there if they would sound better. Yeah, on I, anal- I, mean, on yeah vinyl. I really think they do. I mean, I mean, some people say, "Oh, these you can't tell," but there are people like Neil Young is like has all kinds of like evidence if he goes into it, talking mm-hmm. about how the compression algorithms on MP3s don't sound as good he, he goes on and on you can see yeah. all kinds of things that neil talked about and he's an old school guy <laughs> but um yeah so it's it's just interesting um that you've been able to to, to get here and uh with your music and you got this project and you're do you want to talk about the band that you're in um as well because i know we're focused on your solo record but maybe people know you more from from yeah from the, the band you're in. from vibe yeah, yeah. um so Vibe is like an indie pop band. We're in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's actually so Atlanta is a weird place to be pop because it's mostly country and hip hop. Yeah. So like finding people to play with us live is super difficult. So we're trying to just like just be as present online as we can. But it's kind of like the 1975 Coldplay yeah, yeah. ish stuff. It's just like really catchy, fun stuff to play. So you yeah, have, you're finding it hard to get venues there because it's so, such a hip hop age and such, you know, maybe a country music focus in your town that they, they don't have as many venues for for bands that are kind of like, you know, bands I would have gone to see. You know, I'm, I'm, I was you know into seeing bands like The Cure and Depeche Mode and New Order. I mean, mm-hmm. these are bands that physically had to, had instruments and they played. Yeah, you know? we, we do have like dedicated um Places like Smith's Old Bar, The Masquerade, uh, The Earl, Drunken Unicorns, places like that where it's like, yeah, you definitely play just like rock bands here. But when we played like a, it was that some, something, it was like a lot of bands were playing all at the same time. And like we were next, we yeah, we were next to like, you know, hip hop artists. And it's like, uh this is what you get for being in Atlanta. <laughs> like there's like hardly any people that sound pop. Yeah. Well, I, I have the benefit, like when I go to New York city, New York city still likes to see a lot of new wave, new romantic bands, mm-hmm. even though I'm not, I'm not a cover band, but I'm in that space. So there's a lot of people are really getting into modular electronic music where bands actually have equipment. There mm-hmm. was, was a time where like, I was running into a lot of people that were just like, all they wanted to do is have CDJs on, mm-hmm. on stage. And that's kind of like disappointing. <laughs> if yeah. you're, you're a keyboardist, you're like, I had some promoter come up to me and say, well, where's the, can you just uh, bring a CDJ? He's like, well, I'm a keyboardist. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he just couldn't get it in his head that I can't just, well, why don't you just take, a, take, some, take your stuff and just do it on a CDJ? He's like, well, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> and it just it was this confusion today people have uh, like uh, electronic music where they think everything's like dj 
and and they're yeah, trying, trying, totally to, not. trying to yeah. tell them that like well you know it's more like the cure it's more like new order and they're like what yeah <laughs> and you're like no i don't get that <laughs> it's all about like i don't know i feel like uh we have like a really big presence in other cities besides atlanta which is makes a lot of sense knowing that atlanta is mostly country and hip-hop but like uh i think new york and um portland and seattle is where we actually get a lot of our streams from yeah yeah that would make yeah because those areas are still into you know the cbgb type clubs you know Mm -hmm. where we can actually go in as a new band and journalists and bloggers are there and they want to see new bands you know, yeah, you get if only we live there. <laughs> yeah, it's like San Francisco, you know, New York. I played in Brooklyn. I played, you know, again, the Bronx, you know, Bronx and uh, and Queens. And there's all these old, there's tons of so many clubs. And it, may, it might only be 300 people, but, you know, they actually have a stage and they've got like <laughs> the fog machines and lights. And they're like, wow, I can actually, you know, do something here. Yeah, that's totally our scene. We love stuff like that. Yeah, that was like that's what you live for is actually hearing your stuff, you know. Yeah. Coming out of Marshall, you know, even a guy like a Moog, they're like, yeah, I like to hear my stuff coming out of a Marshall amp because Moogs can kick coming out of those. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just it's, so it's it, it has it has it been a, a struggle in this new age where everybody is kind of driving toward more hip hop? Uh, have people? you know, have you been approached to like collab with like DJs and hip hop artists uh, and kind of get into that scene? Or if you big guys is like, well, you know, we're going to be dream pop or we're not really going that way. Well, I mean, I've been approached by a lot of hip hop artists and I mean, that's fine. I I don't really have any plans on collaborating with that genre specifically. Mm-hmm. Although I do, I do. And I have some like, stuff I really like listening to in that genre but um I don't know I don't really think I would ever incorporate like yeah. rappers into my music and yeah yeah I've had them ask work. yeah I've had um them ask me to like make the produce. music or produce for them for, so that they could rap on top of my music which is actually a really cool idea that but might work. yeah, it might yeah work. I don't think it would work the other way around for me though yeah, I think you could give a band, like if you think about it, you get a band like, a, I don't know if you, like De La Soul is like a psychedelic hip-hop band, rap band. Mm-hmm. And they used to do a lot of weird psychedelic kind of stuff. And um, I think, you know, hip-hop guys who are being adventurous, they're are going into like electronic to have some trance or new wave or new romantic stuff in their music. You know, I actually did a couple of collabs with some hip-hop guys where I gave them the beats and I gave them some heavy mode stuff and some kind of psychedelic stuff that they didn't know they couldn't, didn't want to sample because they didn't want to pay oh. <laughs> for the sample. So I wrote them original stuff, but um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of hip hop bands that are looking for people to give them original material so they don't have to worry about the rights. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's opportunities there uh, potentially, but yeah, I don't want to get known for just doing that. Cause I like my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so that would that's one of our questions. Like, are are you into like thinking about collaborating? And you know, you can collab. You know, if you think about collaborations, like you can go a totally different way. You could like work with a classical musician, or like mm-hmm. you know, and then do something where you you get like you know symphonic stuff behind you, or or you work with jazz, or you work with 
you know, a country band and like, well, may, well, how would that work? But, you know, there's so many different things. It seems like the cross cross collaboration of different genres is like, Yeah. Would think about doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that like do the cross genre stuff that I I really like. I don't think I have anything planned like that at the moment as far as cross genre, but I am totally down to collaborate with people in my own genre at the moment. Mm -hmm. I actually um, am working on a, a single with a band called Team Blush. Cool. And yeah, uh, I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but that's definitely being worked on. And oh, so I'm are, you gonna sing, are you singing on that or just doing the music? Yeah, I'm singing on that one. Cool. Um, yeah, Team Blush, he wrote like the instrumental. His stuff is amazing. It's just like so soft and warm and I don't know, makes you want to like walk on a beach I don't know. I don't even know. It's just good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I'm singing on that and I think he's gonna sing on it as well. And uh I think it's gonna go on his EP when it comes out. It's cool. So that's still in the dream pop zone. Yeah. Yeah, super dream pop, yeah. Yeah, I like I like dream pop. I like like shoegaze, like, you know, ambient, uh, you know, and sound painting, my kind of <laughs> expansive sound is what I do. Sound painting. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. Sound painting is what I'm all about. I mean, I had tons of just like, you know, 15 minute like rock operas without vocals. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, that's what I'm, I'm into, like kind of real symphonic stuff that you can do with sense when you have these big, big pads that you can have these big sweeps and orchestral kind of movements and stuff. So, you can do a lot. Well, super nice. Yeah. Yeah. You can do stuff really slow stuff. that's running like less than 20 beats per minute, you know, <laughs> super, that's crazy. super, super <laughs> slow, dirge, heavy sound paintings. You hear water, you hear like insects, you hear, uh, you know, wind, you know, it's like a whole different planet. Well, there's so many things you can do with the synthetic. If you start thinking about it, you can build like, like a whole environment. Uh, we you have the birds and the water and bugs and mm -hmm. you know all kinds of sound effects and if you you know put put it into it you can paint a picture you know how mm -hmm. people perceive that picture i have an idea what i was doing but i know people who listen to it they take what they get from it but that's what you want you want people like well you know whatever picture they get it's still a sound painting they're going to interpret the painting like anybody would interpret a painting they're going to see it a different way yeah, I I love stuff that incorporates like actual real life sounds. Like there's this there's a half noise song called Hurricane Love, and it's just got like this actual. He was in like New Zealand for like making the song, and there's like a hurricane warning. So I think he must have just recorded the he, he recorded the siren. The wind. Oh, the, the actual siren. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, did a famous song like on a fragile. I think they went and recorded in the forest. They actually took like a, a a microphone and recorded like a stream and birds and all this stuff. So when it starts, the whole album starts with actually real nature sounds that they picked off or like mics. You know, I love that. That's awesome. And that's kind of like you know a lot of a lot of like progressive synth guys are always like looking at that kind of stuff that Rick Wakeman and all those guys used to do. They, they, that's the kind of stuff people used to do in the seventies. Um, yeah and it's like yeah that's where my head's at <laughs> i feel like i love stuff like that although i just thought the one thing i cannot stand 
in music is when there's actual traffic noise because yeah. I'm listening to music in my car and if I hear I hear like a, a honk in the song yeah. I actually think it's in real life yeah it, like freaks me out a little yeah the Beatles like to put that in there some of their stuff <laughs> but um yeah they they well George Martin was into that a lot but um <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah, that can be annoying. I, I like the nature sounds better. I think like if you can get nature, oh yeah, <laughs> you just go out in the woods and you see what you can pick up. But um, yeah, this is this is something we like to do. We like to talk to artists like, when they're coming out with the new material, uh, when your full album comes out, or if you have a bunch of singles coming out, we can always have you come back on. We've had awesome. a bunch of people on our show like three, four times based on the projects they're working on. Mm-hmm. so yeah we're we're totally into that we can actually talk to um um your, your main band i think we talked about that when they're available we could we could work that out i think we did put that yeah vibe yeah yeah we put awesome. vibe on the schedule so are you going to be on that call too yeah i would love to be on that call yeah that's cool yeah yeah so i think i was setting that up i think i think i have a date for that i have to check or maybe yeah i, get I think you to... you messaged them on instagram so yeah, so I'm waiting. Maybe I'm waiting to hear. But um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully you guys aren't so busy, and we'll have that before the end of the year. Awesome. I look forward to it. Yeah. So this, just to let you know, this is going to go out on eleven podcast platforms. Uh, Anchor is actually part of Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, and so it goes on Spotify. It goes on Apple. Goes on Radio Public, Overcast, a bunch of other ones. Awesome. And then, uh, then we get pushed out. Um, to uh instagram and we can put a highlight on instagram that connects directly to spotify so that 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 will be on my spotify and then you could also put it on yours um that's awesome yeah so this will go out later tonight and the links will be sent to you as they get created um the big popular ones they will send maybe four or five of the, the most popular links and then uh yeah we hope to hear from you and great success on your new material and your project thank you so much yeah we hope to hear from you again and we always like talking to indie artists if you know people in your scene you think they could benefit from talking to us or want to push their band let them know that we we interview indie bands for free on anchor fm thank you thank you okay bye